Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Also known as Jared Brandon. Hey, everybody. It's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show. Um, we're going to have kind of a slightly different one, uh, this time I'm going to transition from, uh, you know, kind of silly to serious. Um, we had a, uh, scheduled guest tonight, um, who we're very, very excited to have on and, uh, was not able to do that, uh, due to a, a rather serious circumstance, you know, hearts go out to him. So, yep. um, yep. but I'm, I'm confident that we'll get him back on the show. In the meantime, we said, well, we're here, and we shall, we shall carry on uh, with that in mind. Uh, we just decided, you know, we haven't done one in a long time where Tony and I, Jared, just kind of um, have a chat. Chit-chat. And uh, talk about some stuff. We still are going to go through most of the motions. Yes. Um, but uh, anyways, looking forward to having our friend uh, back soon. Yes. So, all right. We've got a couple of announcements real quick. Road! That's Road! right. We want to thank Road Mics for supplying our gear that's in the studio. And uh, and on the road. And on the road. Yes, that is correct. And we <laughs> hope to be using See, that double, pretty soon. Double entendre there. You get it? I got it. Uh, so thanks to Big <laughs> Nick. Big Nick. <laughs> Big Nick. <laughs> I don't know if, any, if anybody actually calls him that. but <laughs> It'd be really funny if... Nobody call him that. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably the case. It might be. Anyways. Oh, what's it? I just got a text from Nick. He said, "Send this stuff back." Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on this real quick. So uh, we talked about getting some uh, the 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 gear that we have for the road. We got the uh, NT USB minis mm-hmm. um, because we have some circumstances where you know we need to use the mics outside of this, and um, or maybe if we all go to like uh, Nashville well, the, for that's a show what I'm or something, saying. yeah, we yeah. can go sit. We've and, got plans, and it and did come with the with, with the Mini Cooper, right? It did yeah. not come with the Mini Cooper, but Nick, I'm get on, on the it. Mini Cooper. Come yes. on. Get off the Mini Cooper and send it to us. <laughs> yes. Anyways, here's the point. Um, the way that those are shown on the website, they're, they're, the cool thing about them is that you can plug them, plug all four into your computer, and you can get four signals. Does each, does each one go into a different USB port? Or Well, that's the way it's shown. And uh, I said, well, certainly there's got to be a different way to do that. And I just want to know, you know, do I need a powered USB hub or whatever. There was nothing on it. Um, I couldn't find anything other than it, you know, it just says plug them in and go. And I suspected that that wasn't necessarily the case and certainly wouldn't apply to everyone. And Nick was man on the spot. And I said, Nick, here's the problem. I need an answer. Bang. And I don't know what they say in Australia. Bang. (laughs) With a lilt. You, you call that a knife. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe it's like bingo, you know, I don't know. Anyways. Dingo. Uh, and oh. dingo, just like that. Sure. Anyways, point being, Big Nick down in road said, I got the answer for you. Here's what you need to do. Yes, you can go ahead and use a powered USB 
because they do draw power. Um, and uh, what do you think road might come up with the road hub? Probably not. There's a you can get those a diamond dozen. Yeah, on but it doesn't say road on it. That is true, and it would be well better made, you know, and anodized aluminum and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, I just really appreciate you said, hey, you know. Uh, sorry we didn't you know this wasn't covered we'll do our best to make sure that we get that information out there in some way and they are really good about that so we really do appreciate it and this wasn't a big giant plug for road um that was just sharing somebody who's in our guitar universe who is helping us out and is a good friend to us and and they've always been really good and really fast with answers and things so yeah big 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 thanks to road to big nick too and nick um uh wow Okay, so we also, I, you know, I've got a lot of stuff shooting at us in a minute. Jared, Jared, how you doing, buddy? I couldn't be better. Fantastic. Had a really good day today. That's good. We're going to get good. to all that. Uh, all right, I got a couple things I wanted to read off. Number one, one. Um, this is from, let's see here. This is from Dan Hansen. Dan Hansen. Dan Hansen said us a, a little thing. Hmm. He said, uh, greetings, knobs. During a casual stroll through a local pawn shop, mm. I came across a Fender Deluxe Reverb for $300. Mm-hmm. Jared, do you have anything to say about that? No, I say was Ruh-Roh. just telling my say wife Ruh-Roh. that I would call her back after the podcast. Say Ruh-Roh. Ruh-Roh. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> okay, here you go. Uh, it was beat up a little and screamed vintage. Noticing another guy was eyeballing it, I didn't think I had much time. I grabbed the amp. The guy gave me a nod and a smile and a graceful defeat, and I hightailed it to the cashier. I bet that guy was a plant. <laughs> yep. Weird. Uh, I took it home and gave it a good look. With the help from Skynet... I was dismayed to find out that the amp was likely a reissue from 1993, I think. Well, I mean, it's still a killer price. 300 bucks? Should be. I mean, um, for a deluxe reverb? That's well, crazy good. Um, anyways, I don't trust the internet any more than I trust a fart. <laughs> <laughs> you should always trust a fart. That'll never, oh, yeah. that'll never yeah. betray you. <laughs> I think you might want to grab another metaphor on that one. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, Given that I only paid $300 for it, is it worth fixing up? Oh, it'd be good to have Rob. Where's Rob Chaffee? The Tolex on the back is ripped, and it definitely needs servicing. In fact... What year is this? It's what? a 1993. Uh, the repairs right. might push my total cost higher than its value. I'd be smart to return it. Never know you could return yeah. nothing to a pawn shop. <laughs> no. By return it, you mean pawn it? <laughs> um, I'll give you fifty bucks for it. Um, well, it depends on the severity of of what needs done. I mean, if it's just some minor stuff, yes. I mean. Well, but, anyways, hang on. Let me finish. Oh, go ahead. This is a, this is Continue super important. I wouldn't know the answer because I know nothing of the vintage jam market. Any advice you're willing to give would be warmly welcomed. Thanks. Dan Hansen. Okay. I don't know if that was thanks, Dan Hansen, or thanks, comma, Dan Hansen. I'm assuming it's the last. I think it's, yeah. Thanks, comma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So, Tony, go. I mean, it really depends on what's wrong with it. I mean, it would be worth taking it somewhere to, you know, pay a bench fee to find out what needs done. And, I mean, even if you have to put a couple hundred into it, 
I mean, I think a fifty dollar bench fee for most places, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, well, maybe a little bit more in some places. Depends on who's doing. It. But yeah. I mean, it, it it's probably worth. Maybe it. the pawn shop has an amp repair shop in the back. <laughs> yeah, the guy that was eyeballing <laughs> yeah. the amp is the repair guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, even if it's a reissue, I mean, and I think the major difference between, you know, a true vintage one and one of the reissues is it's a, you know, a printed circuit board instead of point to point wiring that you'd have in the 60s and even into the 70s. So, I mean, a lot of it, you know, as long as the metal is good and by metal, I mean, you know, the, the transformers. Um, and you know, in all likelihood, let's see, that's going on about 30 years now ish. So, I mean, the filter caps could be going, it's hard to say. I mean, sometimes they work a long time, sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, a good tech can tell you exactly what needs to be done and what can be put off till later. Still almost like, they're like 900 bucks. That's what I was going to say. Under $1,000, it's probably where those things sit. And, you know, so if you have to put, $300 into it, it's probably worth doing. Well, and we don't even know if it works. And in the 90s, I don't know if those, those, he should look, do a little research because Paul Rivera did a lot of uh, work at Fender at that time. And um, if you remember some of like, you know, like the Fender twins that have the red knobs. I had um, one of those. And that's, that's a, a twin? Yes. Okay. Um, so that was, I, I believe, one of Paul Rivera's uh, projects, and he did some Princetons, I think, and probably he might have done a deluxe. I don't know. I'd have, I'd have to go back and see. But some of the th- those things, uh, you know, there's a lot of kind of push pulley kind of things mm-hmm. that you can do with them. Um, so it could be a really cool amp, and if there's not too much wrong with it, I think it's worth spending. You know, even you know if he's paid three hundred and has to put another three into it, he's still ahead of the game in my book. Yes. I didn't buy that amp, by the way. I got it via someone leaving it with in my possession ah, for a while. Okay, but I regifted it. Okay, so, well that's good. I, I, I've paid the, it forward. The gift that keeps on I giving. I would have liked a, to giving Fender, it back, but yeah. a Fender twin is <laughs> definitely a gift yeah. that keeps on giving. Uh, anyway, so okay, well that that's interesting, um, and you know, I don't know, you can. If you have, if you don't have anybody reputable near you, um, you can always, uh, I guess, ping Rob at Mad Cow yeah. Amplification. See what he thinks. I mean, he's, you know, it, it probably would be cost prohibitive to ship. Yes. But, you know, I mean, there's got to be somebody nearby that that knows amplifiers, and it, and Rob might be able to point you in the right direction too for somebody local. He might. He just might. Um, I also have this from Jono, and we had. Jono shared a few things before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, Jono, I mean, that's his name. He said, hey, hi, Todd. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, is, John, it, is Jono from Australia too? I, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Um, he said, it's great being able to connect with people with the same passions over podcasts and in this case, emails. Um, so I asked Jono, like, hey, so what kind of gear is he up into? Mm-hmm. He said, um, I'm using a Boss Katana 50-watt amp. Mm-hmm. I'm totally blown away by it uh, as I'm a solid-state amp fan and couldn't be happier with it. I'm aware it may not be for everybody, but hey. Also, it's a bit of a mixed bag of cheap guitars that I have tinkered with, plus one I made this year. 
I always wanted to make a guitar, so I have modified a Squire Classic Vibes Strat with a DiMarzio Blues Bucker in the neck and a DiMarzio Air Norton in the bridge. I think this mm. might have been uh, thumb done, you know, like a mobile <laughs> thing. I can't, if there's misspellings, I, I don't know if I'm saying this right. And Air Norton, I'm not aware of the Air, Air Norton. Mm. Okay, That's a DiMarzio product, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. It has a blend knob and no switch. Bit of an experiment that I'm happy with. Oh, and I pulled out the trim as I really dislike Strat's style trims and blocked it and uh, blocked the cavity and replaced it with a hardtail bridge. Maybe even be a start you might like, a Strat, a strat you might like. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I have a red Yamaha RS420 with two standard humbuckers, but has been rewired with an oak Grigsby switch. Yes. And a split, this guy's talking like alien words to me right now. Oak Grigsby switch and a split coil. I know what that is. And out of phase switch via two push-pull pots. Also added a Goto bridge to improve. into. It's like I'm getting, it's like I'm riding on a motorcycle with someone giving me uh, directions how to make beef stroganoff here. Um, (laughs) Actually... Actually, the Ogre switch is basically a brand of a switch. It's it's a competitor with CRL oh. brand. Yeah, like a blade switch. Like yeah, strike that. Telly. Like a like that. Uh, sort of an SG clone, which you have never gelled with. That's true. He, I like that he understands me. He pays attention. Um, last play. Yeah, I, re, I can't stand playing SGs either. Mm. Um, last playable guitar is a T style guitar that I made this year. And it's a Gibson-inspired cutaway. Huh. It has Golden Age Tele pickups and a Slide Series parallel switch. Um, I think that he might have also made a time machine in his backyard at one point. I'm not really sure. Now, that's, um, that's a cool uh, addition because on, on a lot of my two pickup single coil guitars, um, I do use like a Tele or a Jaguar. Or a Mustang. Or a Mustang. Or do a Sonic. Um, I use a four-way uh, blade switch. So the first three positions are standard. Bridge, both, in parallel, and neck. And then in the fourth position, it's both pickups in series. Mm. And what that does is create a giant humbucker. And it really is a great sound. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That, that, that series parallel is a really nice. Um, the old series parallel. Mod. That's right. Mod. I also have a 1996 or so Ibanez Talman mm-hmm. in bits that I have modified extensively and painted green. Put it back together because that's a cool guitar. Okay. You heard him. All right. Um, and and it's Japanese. Yes. And it's Japanese. Uh, it will hopefully be back together again soon. Oh, he answered you right there. <laughs> he um, listens. I like yeah, a man who listens. I know. Uh, it has two DiMarzio blues buckers. They're mm-hmm. probably my favorite pickup at the moment. Bit long-winded, I guess. Anything to do with gear can be. LOL. Feel free to edit down. I'll include a couple of picks in case you're interested. Uh, not only the best pick of the Strat, but my phone camera is broken. So it will have to do. You know, 
you made all that other stuff. I think you could probably fix your phone at this fix point. Fix the phone. Yeah, by yourself, like with a <laughs> hammer and a screwdriver <laughs> and like a box of Cheerios or something. <laughs> MacGruber. Well, yeah, well, anyways, Jono, thank you for sending that. That was really cool. Um, I He sent that a little, little while ago um, and uh, was uh, just able to read it. So uh, thank you again for sending that. We love hearing from all y'all out there. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's fun to kind of get into what people are you know, playing and doing and interested in. And, uh, yeah, so that was fun. And a whole bunch of stuff in there that I have no idea what that is. <laughs> but well, I have a better idea apart. now. Yes. Yeah, thanks can, to you guys. I, we can yep. We can help point you in the right direction. That's why, that's why I hired you guys. <laughs> We're hired? <laughs> what? Take things apart and <laughs> hey, I didn't get my W-2 this year. <laughs> yeah. That's how you learn yeah. when you take things apart. And that is true. How it works and that, all that is kind of stuff. So true. Let's get into what's going on in our music world this week. Gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Tony. And Tony. And Tony. <laughs> Gentlemen and Tony. Yes. Uh, so this week, um, so oh, actually a while ago, uh, John Esterly from Rare Buzz Effects was uh, putting an order in for some Russian parts from a guy, Ooh. interestingly, in the Ukraine, uh, which may soon be part of Russia again. Hopefully not. Um, but anyhow, um, he asked if I was, if I needed anything. And he sent me a big, big, you know, Excel spreadsheet of all this stuff. And I, you know, of course I love paper and oil capacitors in my guitar circuits and, you know, 0 0.022, 0 0.033, 0.047. Those are kind of the standards that I use. And I like the ones that are generally higher voltage. Now, anybody in their right mind, uh, that excludes me, will tell you that the voltage means absolutely nothing in a passive circuit. But to my ear, and maybe it's just the magic of knowing what's, you know, in a guitar, mm -hmm. but, you know, that high voltage, um, in, in, in the case of old Gibsons from the 50s, they use what were called bumblebee caps because of the striping, which were color codes for the value. Those were 400-volt um, paper and oil capacitors. And to my ear, if somebody, if you have one that is it has an actual bumblebee in it versus uh, a true ceramic cap, um, I hear a difference. Now, again, it, 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 it to me, it's how the... The potentiometer reacts uh, with the higher voltage. I don't know what it is, but it does something. But long story even longer, um, I uh, picked, oh gosh, I forget how many caps that, um, oh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm okay. Um, but I forget how many I ordered, but uh, there were quite a few. And, and uh, John called the other day and said, hey, good news. That stuff finally came here. I was beginning to worry that it wasn't going to come at all. And he got all of his little transistors and diodes and things. And then I got a nice big box of uh, various uh, paper and oil capacitors. And uh, so, yeah, I can't, wait to, I can't wait to use them in some circuits. That's cool. What kind of circuits? Guitar circuits. That's it? That's all I use them for. Okay. I don't use them for anything else. All right. But they're cool. And, that and, is cool. And, and, and they look cool. And, well, they're big. Yeah. And they're big and they're, you know, 
if, if I ever de decide to plug it into a wall, you know, it'll handle the yeah. voltage. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, Jared. Uh, so I took back a lot of electric guitars to Ohio the last time I went home last week, um, mainly because I'm going to be moving soon and I don't want to um, – I just don't want to keep track of all this this valuable gear mm -hmm. while I'm down here, so I just put it where I know it's safe in Ohio for now. Mm -hmm. um, I did leave my '79 down here, and if you if anybody remembers some past episodes when I talked about that, your '79 West all custom, okay. and it's uh, it, it's just it's orange now because it the uh, the lacquer just oranged out. And it, it was a natural color, like the natural. If you take the neck pickup out and you look inside the cavity, it says natural because uh, that's what it was, the original finish. And um, it's kind of ugly and old and beat up, and but it feels and plays like butter. And I decided to make myself, when I was home, I made myself some double cream T-top pickups to put in it for the fun of it. I didn't sell them. I made them for myself, so I didn't do anything illegal, Larry. <laughs> so Larry. I made them. Like, yeah, I made them myself, and I put them in my own guitar and made no money off of them. Uh, so, um, and I I made them special for me because there's probably my last pair of those that I make for myself ever, um, ever, uh, and unless we add a product to Gibson, which yep. That's cool. Uh, what do you what anyway, do you what do you like to string the do you use tens on on your Les Pauls? So that's where I was. It's funny you ask. Because this time I didn't pay attention to what box I grabbed. <laughs> <laughs> I did not pay attention. That's some calipers. To what box I grabbed. I didn't even look at the gauge because I thought there were just gonna be nines. Uh, and when I strung it all up and tuned it, I started playing and I'm like what in God's name is this? I I strung elevens on this. Oh boy, this yeah. Now, elevens. Now I use elevens on a lot of my Les Pauls, uh, or you know, twenty-four and three-quarter inch scale length, because mm. to me, I like the way that feels. But if you're a heavy lead player, I could see where that would be a trouble. Yeah, it was not feeling great. I was like, this is not right. I had to adjust the bridge. You you have to adjust the guitar and the neck. Oh yeah. When you go from a nine to an eleven, so oh, I even if you go from nine to a ten, you have to make some sure. adjustments. Yeah, sure. So I was like, "What is going on?" And uh, so I'll, I just put them on last night. So I'm just gonna wait another day and take them off and put on a set of nines. But uh, yeah, I I have the elevens for. I have a couple of custom-made cop string instrument guitars. Um, he's an extraordinary guitar builder out of uh, Catawba Island, Ohio, which is near my hometown. And uh, I remember when he first started. And so I, I have two of those because I know I've shown you guys these guitars years ago, but mm -hmm. um, that's what I bought the strings for. And I, I just lost track of what gauge was what. And... Blind, you know, just blindly, dumbly grabbed a box, got the strings out, strung it up. And I should have known when I was stringing it up, I should have known just by looking and feeling. It tells you how much I change strings, which is not very often. Yeah. 
So now it's, I feel like I wasted a set of strings. So are you running, are you running nines on everything? And like, I run fenders? nines on all my solid bodies except for, and the cop guitars are hollow bodies, but mm. they're the size between a solid and a hollow. So but kind of, it's kind of a jazz guitar ish kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way that Den, uh, Denny, that's the way he designed those guitars to take the, heavier gauge strings and gotcha it's just how he designed them so i honor that and i use them yeah uh on those guitars it's more like a cordy type guitar but um yeah i'll put nine i've put nines on them before and i was like eh, this doesn't feel right without the heavier strings right right but uh yeah well that's that's what i uh that's what i experienced that was just the dumb mistake read the box <laughs> See what the box says before you get the thing out. Jeez, oh, Pete. It's really, it's, 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 all, it's really that simple. Jared, do what, you what ever you, switch, do you ever like really mix up your string gauges uh, with us, with any of your guitars at all? I, the only, the only thing, the only difference is this from the solid bodies to these two cop guitars that I have. That's it. And they're, they're 11s. Yeah. So See, I mistakenly mistake. Uh, I've, I'll do nine or tens. Yeah. I'll do nine or tens on solids. I'll do tens on a Stratocaster, and I'll do nines on a Gibson. See, I, I, I like using elevens on on a lot. Lately, especially, I've been playing elevens on a lot more of my guitars, especially the, the shorter scale length. And if I go to like a 24-inch scale length, like a Jaguar or Mustang, I, I I even go up to twelves on on those. Um, You're a chord guy, right? Yeah, I'm more of a chord guy. So no, you know that to me, good. and then it you know it feels a little more like an acoustic guitar, I guess, when you have the little yeah. heavier gauge on there, but. Yeah, I totally, I okay. totally get it. Yeah, if, if you you get the value out of the heavier gauge with your tone, I mean that's for sure. Totally, yeah. But, and uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, that leads me to ask Todd what's new in his guitar world. Oh, well, I, you know what? I had a really fun guitar week. I had a fun guitar week, gentlemen. <laughs> Tell hey, us. It was fun. Well, remember when I said that I went to, I went down to music, go around to look at the basses yes. for my daughter and stuff? Yeah, I remember that. On the way out, we stopped in the, in the section uh, the, like the acoustic section. Now, I'm 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 not like an anti-acoustic guy or anything. I've got a couple of them uh, that he used for the that I used for the the Johnny Cash tribute band. Mm -hmm. I remember her. Yeah, anti anti-acoustic. Anti anti. Because actually, you made me a. <laughs> I, I asked you to make a uh, a killer. Uh, so it's a black guitar, and I said I yes. want a black like double double wing like tuxedo style. None more guard. black. None more black. Um, and uh, anyways, so I, I swung by there because there was something that I had been kind of wanting for a while, but wasn't, I didn't want to go out of my way to get it. I'm like, it, when it happens, it'll happen. Hmm. Go ahead and open that up. Ooh. I brought in a case. Uh, so I was looking at them, looking at them, you know, they have like a bottom row and a middle row and a top row. And uh I looked up the top row and the back area where it wasn't like a high traffic area, and I said, "What's this?" And Nippongaki. Nippongaki. Yes. Yeah, so, so I got a 
a Yamaha G60A, and I I hit it once. It's it sounds great. It's like super warm. Maybe there it does. Okay. Anyways, stop. 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 Hey, Fernando, stop it. Okay. So anyways, I got this, uh, I picked it up and my daughter was with me and she kind of looked at me and I kind of looked at her like, this one's kind of special and it's in really, really great condition. 70s. Huh? December of 72. All right. Perfect. Well, that's what Tony's for. Please stop. So uh, anyways, <laughs> but what was cool about that, and even though I do love playing it, I, I do want to finish the story for the good people listening. Um, so it's 72, and it, it has, it's got like a bunch of different color woods on it, which, is, which I think is really nice. It was, I traded a, I traded a, chel, a, a, a stand-up bass stand and paid like 75 bucks. And well, it's worth every penny. Yeah, these this are going the- for like 300 bucks on Reverb. Yeah. And I just love it because... You know, it was one of those instances where you pick up uh, pick up a guitar, and it just was like, "I'm coming home. I'm coming home with you, Mister." No, this is, that's a good buy. This is a great guitar. It's a Japanese um, Yamaha. Yeah, and it's you know the thing I always look for on the label is Nippon Gaki. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, and it's Nippon and it's got Gaki the is, Gaki is maybe guitar. It actually means. I think musical instrument. Okay. Like Japanese instrument or yeah. Ja- yeah. Anyways, um, it has a, you know, the rosettes around the, the sound hole and yeah. on the bridge, which I thought was like a nice little touch. Yeah. Nice. So, and the, uh, the tune, the, 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 the pegs are all, uh, um, aged out. Yeah. They're, they're all sort of yellowy, orangey, and now let me ask you this: Do I you just know? Love do it. you know how to restring this? Heck, no! <laughs> You're gonna have to learn to tie strings. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. Yeah, but anyways, I you know what was cool about that is I realized it was a Japanese guitar, and uh, as some of you who have listened for a long time um, know, like I have an affinity for um, feudal Japan and all that stuff, and. Uh, my daughter is kind of learning about that a bit as well. And on her way home, she said, well, she, she's like, Dad, you have to get that guitar. I said, I can't just go into guitar stores and buy guitars. So you don't understand. I can't just do that. She says, yeah, but that's yours. And I thought that was really cool that she like even knew, right? So I said, hey, look up what the uh, Japanese word for sun is. You know, and she said sun. And like, you know, like sun, like sunset or something like that. And it was uh, Tayo, which is T A I Y O. Tayo. And so I said, that's what it's called. And she said, why? And I said, because it looked like a warm sun and it sounded like it too. And then she's like, oh. <laughs> so, anyways, this is kind of cool. We just had a nice moment with my daughter. Got nice. Her. So, that's, you know, that's the one to go play up in the, in the upstairs. Oh, they're, they're and great just guitars. Have around. Yeah, that's that, you know, anything, you know, I'm a big fan of late 60s, early 70s uh, Yamaha instruments. It, it sounded like no other one that we played in there. Well, I, it's because it's solid wood. And it just sounds so warm. And I just love it. Yeah. So nice. I was really, really tickled to get that. That's a good guitar week. I was tickled. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so um, let's move on to. Uh, we don't have a four on the floor today, so 
Maybe Why don't we all choose one? Hey, did you? Speaking of four on the floor, did you happen to see maybe in the newest uh, vintage guitar magazine? Your buddies over at Gibson, Jared, took a six-page spread out for their maestro Holy pedals. Mackerel. Six pages, oh, yes. six full pages in the vintage guitar magazine. Beautiful yes. stuff. I mean, that you know, wow. I, I was I was just impressed. I mean, usually if you see a one full pager, it's something, but it's just like page after page after page. Beautiful. That's awesome. Well played. Right on. Good magazine. I'm glad they support Vintage Guitar. That's my favorite magazine. No, I, I do have all those Maestro pedals. It took me a bit to get them because um, they wanted us employees to wait and give the, uh, the you know, general the public earth. a chance yeah, to buy them before we had them in our hands. So I, I waited a little while, and I finally got mine. And um, each pedal has its own character. They have a great use. I, I think... I think I have this. I have the chorus on all the time, and the delay is old school. I really like that. There's a lot of different uh, switches and modes. Um, you know, they, I think they're a great competitive product. I I really like the uh, the Maestro. And one of my favorite thing when you turn it on the the three color like the horns they light up and there's three colors. Tricolore. It, it's like Christmas time when you light those things up. They're pretty badass. So, yeah, there you go. Awesome. Buy you some Maestro pedals. The fuzz is great too if you're a fuzz guy. That's good. Nice. Like oh that. yeah, I like that. Yep. Uh, let's see. Well, one of the things that I thought uh, I'd love to hear your perspective on is, as I mentioned, so I did post that video for, for uh, replacing the speaker mm -hmm. in the in the Origin 50 and everything. Yeah, and been playing it a lot. I'm really excited because we got a show coming up, and I was like, I'm I'm having to re-engineer how I'm thinking about my pedal board because the way that I had it set up for the Supro and all the tones and the types of drive and how they reacted when they were stacked and what was in front and what was behind is completely out the window. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going straight into the Marshall. And I I thought, oh, I should take advantage of the, you know, the effects loop in the back. And I'm like, yeah, screw that. I'm not going to bother with it. Um, because I just, other routing for all that, I just can't deal with. Um, but the as far as the drives go, um, what is kind of fun, I'm having to go through and reintroduce myself to a lot of the drives that I have because one drive might have sounded fantastic on the Supro. Mm. As it as I transfer it over, I'm like, ta-da. I'm like, whoa, that sounds totally that sounds really, really different. Yeah. Um so I'm going back and and now I'm just it's like I'm starting over. Well, I mean you could find the one and that works best with that given amp and just keep it with that given amp. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's kind of what I'm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it is. But even just the order on them and, and yeah, how they are reacting yeah. differently. No, they is, do. And that's wild. That's, you know, it's, it's both the fun as well as the pitfalls yeah. of having more than one amp that you use and know what the sound should be like. Yeah. And what, how pedals react with it. I mean, it's, it's, it is, it, it, it you can get you know sucked into the rabbit hole there real quickly. Well, I think it's a little bit strange for me too because 
I haven't had, you know, I haven't had tons and tons of gear. I am a gear enthusiast. I love all the stuff. I don't have all the stuff. So I haven't had all the experiences that a lot of people have. You know, this is the first Marshall I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and, and I know everybody's like, it's not a Marshall. Not a Marshall. <laughs> you know, I get it. I, I understand. But this is what I have to work with. Well, you know, to give you an idea, I had a, one of my early Marshalls uh, was uh, a JTM 45. Yeah. Um, and then they also came out with a series. That was the first one they, well, I mean, I didn't have an original one, but I had, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But then they also came out with a series called the JC, JCM series, which is the 30 and a 60. And I think I had the 30 and I found it to be a really good amp, not what I would call a true Marshall in terms of what most people think of as right. a Marshall, but it was closer to what the JTM, uh, you know, the old style was. Yeah. It's, it's not a fair comparison because they're really two different animals, but the in terms Marshall of world is murky, man. Yeah. I mean, I think what happened is just like Mesa boogie came, you know, once they got known for a, a particular yeah. genre of music that became what they're, all their amps sound like, which they don't. Right. Uh, they have, we we're talking, I think, about the Lone Star series or something like that. Yeah, the subway. In, in the subways. And those are completely different. I wouldn't, you know. Right. But if you say, what do you got? Oh, I'm playing a boogie. Or, really? Yeah, exactly. You know, unless you're playing metal or something. And same with weird. a Marshall, because once Marshall in the 70s became known for loud and, and, and you know, metal sound. Yeah. That, 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 that hard know, rock. That's what yeah. everyone thinks when you hear Marshall. Well, well yeah. yeah, I mean, at, I, I'm liking getting involved in it. And the, my, the funny thing is, you know, I brought this into John uh, Fennell, who runs the studio that we're at and where I've recorded. And he just looked at me and he shook his head. He's like, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> what, do you what do you mean? He goes, all you do is bellyache about, you yeah, like Marshall Sound and all that stuff. I said, that's because when I am at shows and I'm playing and somebody hauls up a half stack that mm-hmm. they can't turn up, yeah. that they have to turn around and and actually face the speakers to the drapes behind them, and it just it, it's just a, it's the same sound as like it it it's the same for everybody. It's just like oh, I know exactly what this is going to sound like, and that's the thing that kind of I don't know. It doesn't necessarily appeal to me because um, I don't want to just sound like Angus Young. You know, it's like, he does that. I don't need to do that. I want to look for something a little bit different. That said. Why do you hate Angus Young? I don't. <laughs> uh, but, but you know what? I'm, I'm drawing, a, I'm drawing a, a sort of a glittering generality, as they used to call yeah. it back in grade school, uh, of, you know, I know what that is going to sound like. Right. Um, and I don't know. I've just, I've always been more intrigued with going, how can I how can I find something to differentiate myself mm-hmm. in, in a, in a way that isn't like, you know, completely out of the world radical or something. It's just like, Oh, well, you've as, got as, something different. As I told Rob, maybe you should switch to keyboards. All right. <laughs> I see where this is going. Anyways, back to the story. Um, what I'm finding is that, uh, the sounds that I'm getting out of it, I am really, I'm really liking, mm-hmm. Maybe because I'm not setting it or playing it like a typical 
you know, half, a typical half stack that well, everybody but, drags but around. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a different Marshall. I mean, it's it, yeah, it's more of a uh, dare I say, uh, I don't want to say a fendery sound, but it's. I mean, it's it's definitely meant to have more clean headroom. Um, it's more of a vintage style. Uh, and you know, truth be told, I think Jim Marshall, as did a lot of amp builders at the time, took a lot of the basic, uh, you know, blueprints, schematics for a lot of Fender amps, um, and you know, converted them over, made some changes, and to get a little bit different sound. But I mean, they all come from the same, you know, schematic at some point. Yeah. But they're uh, you know, give me a JCM eight hundred or a super lead or a super bass and I'd be, I'm a happy boy. Yeah. Well, I hope to expand my, now I'm not going to go down the normal route. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep my eye out for some other ones. I know that, uh, you know, some of the smaller heads with like the, the two, the vertical two twelve cabs. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'd be interested in, checking something like that out as well but for right now i'm exploring this and i just thought it was really cool to be like wow i get to i get to do all the fun things that i like to do kind of all over again yeah um and especially with particular songs i'm like oh wow i can kind of make this sound a little bit more like this and i can switch up the guitars on this one so it's really just kind of tossing the proverbial audio salad there which is kind of kind of fun nice uh, and my the reason for bringing that up was um i know that you guys have opinions and you have an awful lot of experience and jared owns you know at least a quarter share in marshall <laughs> so <laughs> i do have a lot and i'm looking to downsize <laughs> maybe we can talk <laughs> um <laughs> i knew you would eventually come to the world of marshall my friend well i i don't know that well I can't commit fully. I'm not going to say like, yep, I'm a Marshall guy, you know, <laughs> but as long as I can, as long as I can keep a sound that I feel is, I don't want to say unique to like the whole rest of the world because yeah. I doubt that you can even find a sound mm. that's unique to the rest of the world yeah. anymore. But at least to my ears that I'm like, okay, I've got my own twist on what this actually sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, then, then I'll keep pursuing all this stuff. At the end of the day, it's what comes off record, man. That's that's yeah. your end goal. Yeah. So, well, and actually, on our record, um, the Villantinos, uh, which we'll be re recording a new one very soon. Uh, <laughs> you know, he was using what? What's the one he has out there? He's got the the, the old one, the, the JMP, the seventy three. Yeah. Yeah. So he used that on it, um, and yeah, and the Supro. And a mm -hmm. Univox. Oh, uh, yeah. The, uh, oh, the old Univox tube one. In there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a cool one. I'm trying to think. is the late 60s, early 70s, something yeah. like that, um, which is essentially a Marshall clone. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so it, it was just kind of funny to go like, okay, well, I understand. You know, I, I heard the sound that makes a sound, and I said, rut row. <laughs> just like and I looked over at my Supra, and I'm like, I'm not, it's not cheating. It's not cheating. No, <laughs> you're still on there. Yeah. Anyhow. Still number one. Uh, so that's, that's something else that I've been, you know, just kind of spending a lot of time with and everything. And one other interesting thing about that is 
uh, I thought, okay, well, I definitely am going to use an EQ pedal on this because mm. I am switching between um, uh, the Gullet Guitars Vinny with the TV Jones Powertron and the Viking Hagstrom and something else that might be coming with the, with the humbucker. Um, that those sound pretty different. Mm -hmm. and they play different, the attack is different, so mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm definitely going to need an EQ. Well, I put the EQ after the drive section, mm -hmm. which is what I have was recommended, um, uh, and typically I've had it at the, at the complete end. Um, so as I mentioned before, I was, you know, watching the signal path thing, and I thought I was just really interesting, and he, I, I really enjoy um, how he... Uh, explains things it, it, it so anyways um mason mangel uh from the uh, uh from vertex effects as well as um he does the, the rig doctor uh and that's where he was putting the uh the eq pedal mm -hmm. so i said well okay i'll just stick it in there boy oh boy that sounded like absolute runny dog droppings mm. it was awful sounding i like that sound runny dog droppings <laughs> yes <laughs> i and i and i thought well what am i doing wrong here because this doesn't make any sense and i i really i was like i just pulled it off the board i'm like there's no way i'm keeping it there mm -hmm. so now i'm gonna try to run it at the front and see what happens there did you try try it in the effects loop no because i'm not doing the effects loop Okay. Um, but I mean, the, the effects loop is a good place to put an EQ pedal. I have a question, though. Now, I talked to John Fennell. He said, dude, right, you got to run that at the front. I'm like, all right. I'm just listening to people who I trust with good advice and I'll see what sticks, mm -hmm. except for your advice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> try it. Try it in the, try it in the, I mean, I know it's extra cabling and stuff you have to run, but well, but it's, it's good for tonal control of, of each amp. Hmm. Um, How long will you? Well, been I'm not running it between. This? I'm not running it between both of them. I understand. Yeah, but I mean, do you, you want to stop? Do you want me to stop talking about it, Jared? No. <laughs> but I was well, like, no. I, I was sitting here for a minute. I'm like, are we still on show. the thing of the week? About? No, it's not like, the thing of the week. We just started talking. We're just we're oh, just shooting the breeze. Yeah, baby. we we were shooting we, the breeze, we, we did baby. the uh, de deconstructed four on the floor. Yeah, the the one the one. Oh, we're still on that. I'm no. No, this is, we're just talking. We're just chatting. Oh, yeah. All right. Chitter chatter. Did you go make your chicken? <laughs> no, I'm going <laughs> to show you to respect and not eat on the podcast. Oh, that's uh, sweet. That's how much I what love What about the guys. rest of the folks that are listening? Yeah. Don't you respect them? Say yes. Uh, Say yes. I live for them. <laughs> I, uh, I live to entertain hey, them. Hey, speaking about that, speaking about the folks out there and everything, Jared, there's a guitar show out your way. Oh, yes. There so is. You, can you, you want to talk about that a little bit? It's a giant, and I don't have the date in front of me. Did I say March 26th? I think it's 26th and 27th. March yeah, 26th it's, a, and it's a Saturday and a Sunday, and it's... Just south of Nashville, you may as well say Nashville. It's around Franklin area. It's where all the famous Nashvilleians live, the musicians and stuff. Uh -huh. um, giant guitar show, the Amigo uh, Guitar Shows. It's a biggie. It's a biggie. They put on giant shows, tons of gear, uh, tons of vintage, tons of vintage gear, 
and you may run into some famous folks because well, it's Nashville. We're we're in Nashville. I mean, there's always. So check this. This is so cool. Uh, my boss and I, um, Jason, we went to this really good taco place I found near the shops, and uh, and when we got there, he says, "Oh my gosh, my buddy Gabe has a guitar store like right over." He pointed, and it was a stone's throw away. So after we ate some delicious tacos, and we're going there the next time you guys come down, awesome. uh, we went to this small guitar shop, and it was, it was weird. It was, you you go in this parking lot, and there's like a small loop. It's not a cul-de-sac, but it's a small loop, and there's these small homes, but they were all converted into businesses. So this Gabe fella, um, I believe his history is he had a guitar shop in Florida. And then he came up and worked for Gibson, and then he uh, – I don't know why he's not with Gibson anymore. He's separated from Gibson, and he owns a, a guitar store there. But he's got everything in there. He's got a great little store. He's got a five-string Les Paul. Um, he's got some really cool bass guitars and some that I've never seen before. He has Gibson 12-strings. He's got Martins. He's you know He's got the family of Martin guitars you want to see if you're a bluegrass player. I mean, he's, it's a great pl- – and I thought we were done looking, right? And then he said, oh, hey, you guys go upstairs. And Jason's like, oh, yeah, upstairs. Way more guitars up there. It was a dream. You wow. Know? And uh, we got to talking. And I guess Slash, when Slash comes to town, he goes into that little tiny – nook of a guitar shop and check stuff out it's it's kind of around the corner from the gibson uh crafteries anyway so he'll so slash will go over there um might be a good place to bring your marshals into then well the uh, yeah maybe but i'm i'm hoping that somebody will pay me better than dealer for those yeah yeah well you got some goodies there so yeah, I got some good stuff, but I was, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't bring that up for the thing in my guitar week, but that that was a, that's a pretty awesome little store. And he he also said, hey man, have you ever heard of Tom Holmes? Tom Holmes uh, builds pickups for the owner of the small guitar shop, Gabe. Uh, and uh, Gabe said, hey, wait a minute, I got this big box for you. And he brings out this box and he gets these pickups out and I'm like, Oh yeah, Tom Holmes. And uh great pickups, man. <laughs> Did you great say it like that? <laughs> Tom Holmes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tom Holmes. <laughs> I did. I did. He said, he said, dude, you got to call Tom Holmes up. I'm like out of the blue for no reason. He's like, yeah, he loves the fish. He's a super nice guy. And every time I order like 10 pickups from him, he takes a trip down to Florida and goes fishing. <laughs> Because he charges a lot for his pickups because he can. But uh, nice. But but yeah, I guess I guess Tom Holmes knew Henry Ju- uh, Jukowitz, the owner of Gibson, the previous owner of Gibson, mm-hmm. and um, I think Tom was one of the people that helped move some of the equipment from uh, Kalamazoo to Nashville. That's what Gabe said, so I could be wrong, hmm. but. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I hope I get enough courage to get on the phone and just 
strike up a, a conversation with him. Hopefully it turns into a friendship. But Oh, that'd be really good. Yeah. I would love to get to know him. And if I can convince him somehow to come on the show, that would be that would be a biggie. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. No doubt get a hold it. of that fella. Take him fishing. Do whatever classic, he wants. The 57 Classic that he helped design is the highest selling pickup that Gibson sells. Hmm. So Outstanding. There you go. Uh, well, we learned a lot about that fella right there. Oh, yeah. The fisherman. Mm, I don't even know. The fisherman? <laughs> the fisherman. <laughs> what does he do again? Not, not fisherman. <laughs> fisherman. Yeah. Pick a winder. Yeah. Tony, do you have any uh exciting guitars that you're that you've purchased that are you're waiting to come or or any specific mm. projects that you're trying to knock out right now? Um, I mean, we've already kind of talked about a couple things. Um, one that 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 came in that was a little disappointing. Um, is I found a, um, a, <laughs> so Paul Weller, when he was in the jam, had a, uh, a Rickenbacker 330 that he had done in a Roy Lichtenstein print. Yeah. And it said wham on it. Yeah. Well, there was a, uh, uh, a seller on, uh, in China that, uh, was making replicas of that. And, um, overall it wasn't bad i mean my experience with a lot of these chinese instruments is you have to take them apart replace all the metal parts replace all the electronics replace all of the plastics um but this one in particular was a little disappointing because the paint job was just done in such a rush uh the you know there's uh, some of the, the the paint was was smeared, and um, so it's not you know certainly not up to my standards. Certainly, I, I don't think it was up to their standards either. I think they were just trying to get stuff shifted out of there. But I was able to negotiate a, a deal uh, between uh, DH Gate, the seller, and myself, where I got at least a partial credit back on because it. Because it was so bad. It was just bad. Wow. Yeah. But um but it's it's playable. Was I mean, it paint or was it like a uh, like a decal kind of like It's actual transfer? paint. It was actual paint. Really? Yeah. Um Did you send it back? I wasn't going to pay well, 80 just, bucks yeah. to send it back. I'm not no. suggesting that you did. You never do. So. No, no. <laughs> I I kept it, but we worked out a credit arrangement where I got part you of, part bring of it my in. Money. I want to see it. Yeah, I've got it down at the shop. Okay. But it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it from it's it's what I call a good uh, fifteen footer. Uh, 15, yeah, 15, fifteen feet, feet away. away, it looks pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but they they did a pretty good job on you know on on most of the graphic work. Um, but you know it's yeah. The, I mean the the pickups and the metal parts that come with it are just not very good. Um, and the tuning machines in particular. So those have all been replaced. And so now, you know, I've got to do a little more fret work on it to get it up to snuff. But um, it did, you know, it'll turn out to be a good wall hanger. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I like that you just get some of those and have fun. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I, a lot of times I'll, I'll get some things like that that are just for fun. I tell and, you what, it's really hard now to, to look at, um, a lot of things on like eBay and, mm. and elsewhere because if you type in something and you're like, surely I'm going to see a bunch of things that I know, it turns into uh, just a billion guitars from 
from China. Yeah, you can you can put a filter in that it's only you know North America or U.S. Uh, when you do your searches. Yeah. But even so, that some of that stuff still sneaks through. But then I can't shake my fist at it. Yeah. Well, Ew, get out of here. Get off my yard. <laughs> get off my yard. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was that was kind of the most recent thing. And, I mean, I've got a couple of things in the works. I think we talked about I'm doing a refinish on a, uh, a real 1969 uh, Fender Custom uh, for Carl from Car Sickness, this is his original guitar right. that I made a replica of his guitar for him. Right, and he wanted his old one kind of brought, you know, restored, brought back to life, kind of thing. So that's that's been uh, that's in the works. Um, and then I've got a the Meteora project that we had talked about. Right, that I'm having one of those. So uh, my buddy Pat Murray from Coop Guitars. Up in Youngstown is uh, is handling the the finish work on that for me. Fun. So there you go. That's what I got cooking. Fun, fun, fun. Um, well, gentlemen, uh, since it is late in the in, in, the, the, in the time, evening. yes, um, and this was a little bit of a different one. Um, I think we should scoot on over in the El Camino and uh, drive by and just. Honk it, Jared. Sit the, outside the, until does he... Our, does our El Camino lift and drop? Lift and drop? No, it doesn't. Oh, it's I want... an old beater. That's a shame. We, we, it yeah. should do. Maybe so, the mini that we get for the for the mini. Yes, we can put uh, that road in the back. We, we can we can have it do the the wobbly thing. That, yeah, that those cars do the, the wobbly thing. So That's we'll right. we'll drive by and just lay on the horn until old man Jared comes running out, shakes his fist, and then we'll take off. But uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Uh, Jared, you have a would you rather, I do believe. Ladies and gentlemen, it's come to the point of the show where we play a little game. Get out of your Camino because it's time for Would You Rather. Good old Bob Crouch Ah, sent us this Would You Rather. And it uh, goes a little something like this. You have the option of a vintage guitar husk. No parts, no pickups, none of that. But you can only use new parts to complete. Mm. So, you know, you, you get the neck and the body of a Gibson or Fender, but you don't get any, you have to get all new parts. Yeah. But the bodies are vintage. Yeah. This is going to be a good one, I could tell. Yeah. yeah. You can have, or you can have a newly built guitar, but you have to complete it using vintage components, pickups, hardware, et cetera. Which do you choose? That's a really tough question for. Shall we read? No uh, one, apparently, because I'm getting waved off of like, no, that's too easy. Bob's, Bob has wait, a wait, choice. Wait, let's, see, let's see what he says at the end. We'll read his last. You want to do his last? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do right his on. last. Okay, thanks so, for giving us a choice, dude. Yeah. Uh, Tony, so vintage guitar husk, only new parts, or uh, vintage new parts. guitar, vintage parts? Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's very easy for me because I've done – I mean, I've, I've – gosh, I forget how many projects I've done. But I, I do buy old husks, strip – Guitars, yeah. bodies, necks and bodies, whatever, and uh, and 
you know, I don't really have a problem with putting new parts on things as long as you don't have to make major modifications. Uh, but, you know, for instance, I've, I've rebuilt a number of guilds um, which a lot of their newer modern parts, even import parts, actually fit the old uh, necks and bodies. Right. Same with Gibsons. I mean, there's a lot of bits and pieces that you can put in, in Gibson, really set the standard for things like tuning machines and, and pickups and, and controls and, you know, different things like that. So I have absolutely no problem and I... No qualms? I have no qualms about it. Uh, I would, yeah, I mean, between the two choices, to me, that vintage you know, broken in feel, the vibe, the wood. I mean, it's completely different than something that just came off the line, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so I'll take the old neck and body and pop on new parts. Again, with the caveat, as long as you don't have to make major modifications to the instrument. Like what? Well, I mean, like, let's just say... Routing. Probably going to be a whole bunch of new holes in there. Yeah, I would, routing, I would not... more routing. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten to a point now, back in the day, back in the 80s, when you needed to replace thing, there were no replacement parts. So you ended up with, like, for instance, tuning machines. You'd have, you know, yeah. che a cheese board on the... Or Swiss cheese headstock from all the screw holes that were up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now it's it's very easy to find replacement cluzons that are direct drop-ins that's correct um, and, and on that note i will say um one of the things that i, I was telling jared i was watching a lot of uh, shows uh, that uh, gibson's uh, gibson tv's put up which they're doing a really good job of as well as mm. other sort of like collectors and you know people who are like hey here's my guitar collection yada 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 and these are people that have put a lot of stock into their stuff and oftentimes they're like Hey, the back of the headstock, it looks like a pin cushion. You know, it's like, yeah, so what? It still plays. It's awesome. I love this guitar. I think it's easy for us to maybe think, I can't mess this up. You know, I'm going to lose value if I put better things on it. But, you know, but it's there to play. And if you like it and it plays better, yeah. that's good. I mean, I'm, I love player-grade instruments. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I mean, I'm a collector, but I don't collect pristine examples because in my opinion a lot of times the pristine examples don't sound and play and feel as good as a well broken in instrument mm -hmm. i mean i've i have i have no qualms about even headstock breaks as long as they're fixed properly uh, you know a lot of people are oh my god half the value has gone away well that's great i'll take it for half price <laughs> i'm all about it yeah but you know you know in terms and in some cases Newer componentry is actually a little bit better, yeah, um, in terms of build quality and things like that. So, with the possible exception of maybe pickups and things like that, um, you know, sometimes vintage pickups just have kind of a life of their own and the yeah. sound of their own. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a no brainer for me to do that. Okay, so good. Put me down for that one, Jared. Yeah, I uh, I. I this is an interesting one thing. for you because you just did something that might go against what you may or may not say. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you how I feel about it in my experience, and I, I have two examples of, of why. So I have a 1962 
That mostly has original parts, but the pickups were rewound. Um, 62. But I know even if you put aftermarket parts on it, for some reason that guitar is just simply louder than any other guitars. Is this the uh, is this an SG? The 62 SG. Okay. Yeah. That's just it's just louder and I can't explain why other than just the wood is extremely I don't know, weathered or they say open, if that is a term. Yeah. Uh in the orchestra world and the and the stringed instrument world. Um it definitely is. It's one of the loudest guitars I've ever played. Uh, I have a, I have a, a 1956 Junior converted to a standard Les Paul, and that went through a lot of reworking to make that happen. And uh, I have a lot of compliments with that too, the way it sounds. But I wanna, I wanna say yes, I I would rather do the the vintage Husk, but Zach, um, he Zach. Oswald, he's buying my business. He has a custom shop that sounds phenomenal as well. Um, and I've played other custom shops, but I think this, it's a lemon burst, I think. And, well, the finish doesn't matter, but I'm really, I'm really surprised how really good this custom shop sounds. So, I mean, I, I think it's, to me, it's just, finding the gem you, you know you got to find the diamond in the rough out there you you can find it the diamond and maybe, in the rough that's right and even if it feels right to you and it sounds right to you and may not to somebody else uh, what you have and what you enjoy is what really matters but yeah i'm definitely going to do the vintage husk and aftermarket parts all right okay well yep me too uh, for the main reason that the, the, the parts, the performance of the parts, the quality, the quality of, of those parts, um, you know, those are the things that even if you get a really nice old guitar that has most of it on there, those are usually things that you have to repair or replace yeah, especially in some tuners. way. Now that yeah. said, one of the things that makes an old guitar look amazing is when you see all of the wear and the age and the finish that's been rubbed off. And like, just even the, the pegs on the guitar that I brought in today, it's like that, that is a huge part of why I kind of fell in love with that guitar. Mm -hmm. Th that's the stuff that you like, it's Oh wow. It's, it's really cool. You know? And I granted, um, speaking of, of Zach, he's shown a couple of outstanding, things that he's aged recent, recently on the uh, on the Instagram page for Brandon Wound. I mean, he's doing a bang-up job, and that's the kind of thing, like, if you saw that on a guitar hanging somewhere, you'd be like, I need that. Mm -hmm. So to yeah, have stay, that... Stay tuned, man. He's, he's going to be offering stuff like that. Nice. Very cool. Anyways, so I'm going that route, too. Um, and what does Bob Crouch say? Go ahead, Jared. Well, Bob said he'd love to have to say the vintage husk with the new parts. Both are solid options, but I think there's a lot more variety in newer parts for a vintage guitar. 
I think a newer guitar with older parts may come with some pitfalls. I would rather not deal with. So he's he's uh, unanimous. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Bob's. That's what Bob said. Well, all right. That's. I, you, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit surprised by that, but maybe. Why? Maybe not. Well, because. It, it, it to me, it's almost a fifty-fifty thing because you could have a you could have a body that might not. Yes, think about like the, the a lot of the Japanese guitars. Mm -hmm. Those feel somewhat unplayable to many people, right? There's the old Japanese ones. We've talked about that where it's like, hey, it's a cool idea. It looks awesome. Oh, you're talking about like like sixties, yeah, yeah. The, okay, okay. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like. Japanese fenders and things like that. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like the the, the taste goes and all that stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, so the, the idea is like, wow, that's really neat. But the play, but so much of that playability yeah. is in like the neck, how it's attached to, to the body, yeah. and just like if it feels right, is it like all that stuff. So, but at the same time, a lot of those parts can look amazing because they're old and they're funky yep. and they're you yep. know so if you took those and put them on a reissue of the, one of those japanese guitars or had your luthier friend build you a a, a, a new version of that but mm -hmm. you get to put all those old parts on it yeah. that'd be really cool yeah yeah i mean there's some people that swear by especially like those old you know uh single coil pickups that that are on a lot of those guitars and i mean honestly <laughs> I don't really see the attraction, but there's a lot of people that do like that, you know, those, those gold foil sounds and, and things like that. And, um, you know, I mean, I'll take a standard pickup any day of the week over those. Mm. In my, what do you think, Jared? You know, uh, the tie school shark fin that I had, uh, that I traded, um, for a reverend guitar, uh, that, the pickups on that sounded really. They did actually sound really good. I have, oh, okay. I have to say, they they did. I, to me, they sounded a lot more full and uh, more boomy than just a normal single coil. Um, okay. But that could also, you know, it. it, it I I don't know. It, it's because of the way the whole guitar is structured and the way the whole thing's structured. It's a little different than a Strat, all that kind of thing. So right. Um, no, I, I, I kind of see why people like them, but if you don't like them, you don't have, if you don't like them, you don't have to anyway. So it's a whatever. Free, it's a free world. Yes. It's a free world. If, if it doesn't do you good, that doesn't do you good. So. Yeah. Just like Neil said. Yeah. And they're a pain in the butt to fix. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. All right. Yeah. Well, that was very cool. Thanks, Bob, for sending that. Uh, Tony, we got some people to thank. Oh, yes, we do, Todd, because at this point of the show, we like to thank a very special group of people. These are our executive producers. Now, you might be sitting out there wondering, what's an executive producer? And maybe more importantly, how can I become one? I want to be one of the gang. Well, it's real simple. You go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple of different levels in which you can participate, become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. Each level comes with some great thank you gifts. And, uh, but there's one thing more as an executive producer that you get. Jared, what is that? You get to have your name read on the thing. Your man. name read on the thing. -a. 
Right. And that's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers, Moon Guitars, Vader and Pedals, Drew Lopez, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, got it that time, Gary Cooper, Jason Rausch, Mike D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garten, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Jamalaro, Bill Gola Guitars, John Esterly, also known as Rare Buzz Effects, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Lawrence Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, John Anglin, Tom Bresn, John Sluhan, Rusty Sneedon. Are my eyes deceiving me, Todd? Maybe. I, I see two, count them, two new executive producers. Holy smokes. So, well, welcome aboard. We've got Ralph Gottschalk from Wonderful Audio Technology. Yes. Yes. You might have heard him from a, an episode or two ago. And uh-huh. David Poe. David Poe. Welcome aboard, guys. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Very, very cool indeed. Wait, Todd, there's more. Oh, Oh, Because in addition to the standard issue executive producers, we have, you know, the the officer club, the grand poobas, as we like to call them. That's right. These executive producers are just a a little step above. Mm Mm-hmm. And they go above and beyond the duty. That's right. <laughs> the duty. <laughs> it's always funny. It's never not you funny. Love this. You love the I... word duty. <laughs> oh, yeah. So without further ado, uh-huh. and I must say that they, they must be wearing their, their uh, fezzes mm. whilst listening to the podcast. And at the same time. Or, so crush. special, special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Tom Amanasco, Ricardo Igreda, David Kaminga, Brandon Wound Pickups, That's right. Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch. We just heard oh, from Bob yeah. not long ago. That's right. Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler KC Rines, LSJ Music Company. John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster. We spoke with him earlier today. You're correct. Science of Sound. Brian Robinson, Jonathan Jerusik, also known as 12th Hour Devices. Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. And Rat King! Yes, indeed. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. Um, We are very, very fortunate for all of the folks out there that are helping us out and keeping us going. Absolutely. Um, So, uh, Tony, where can people find you? 
Well, why don't you just head over to PickGuardian.com, check out some of the things that I have available for online purchase. But by and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email, let me know what you need, what you want, what you really, really want. And I will do my best to get it together for you. Awesome. Jared? Oh, yes. Uh, go to Instagram and find Jared Pickup Winder Brandon and send that account a question about whatever. And I may or may not get back to you. <laughs> well, that's I probably what? will. I'm just kidding. I'll get back to you. I promise. All right. Maybe. Uh, let's see here. You can send an email to moi, moi? Todd at the guitar knobs.com. And right. you can also DM me on Instagram at guitar knobs. And make sure you check out the Discord group, everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. Go to the bio link in Instagram and you'll get to the link tree, which has all of our fun things on there, including the link to Discord. And if for some reason that is not working, um, let you know. Let me know, and I'll I'll see if I can get that for you guys. I should be able to because I got the first one, and we've got some great people running that, um, and uh, we're thankful for them doing that. Yes. All right. Well, um, this has been a, a different one. It's been a fun one, just kind of hanging out and chatting with the bro Tato Chips here. Mm, and um, uh, I guess that's it. Have a fantastic Guitar Week, everybody, and subscribe! Oh, yeah! That's yeah. what he is from England, eh? <laughs> what? <laughs> Dang, can you hear me good? Yes, we can hear you well. Tom Holmes. If I were king of the forest. Well, all right, dodo birds. All right, so uh, now that the <laughs> stupidness is over. Uh, it's just begun, my friend. A nice table and some lawn furniture and... Are there any good tables? Uh, I think I'm going to make myself some chicken. Did that wall back there used to be gray? Is it not? No, but is did it used to be gray? Hello, Tony Zabalone. What's you ever good? wonder What's... why the cows never win? <laughs> Me neither. How about a hot dog? No. Oh, Lord. Yes. So I was partially right again. Yeah. As long as I stay right 50% of the time. Give me some juice. And over the mountains of bush. <laughs> Is it the same color as the sidewalls? And it's got this mustard sauce that you dip it in. The little, it's like three little chicken three fingers. Little, three little chickens. Okay, it's your mouth making all the crazy squishy noises, you weirdo. That wall? The back wall. That back wall? That back Behind wall. Behind me. Yes. Yes. Was it always gray? It was always gray. Huh. What, you, what, you got something to do? You got somewhere to go? I got chicken fingers waiting! On today's podcast, we're going to discuss breeds of poodles. You know, you want to, I don't want to pick you up from the hospital again. Fucking, I got another skinny stop. Did you bring enough chicken for everyone? Oh yeah, Tom Holmes. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com 
forward slash The Guitar Knobs. Visit our website at theguitarnobs.com for all of our past episodes, Four on the Floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.